Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word, and we pray that uh, as we get into it, uh, what this preacher says will be a true reflection of what it means, uh, that I would not try to make it say something that it does not. We pray that you would bring it home to each of us. Spirit of Christ, we pray, open our minds and hearts to receive what you have authored this book for, that Jesus Christ would be exalted, we would be convicted of sin, that someone here would see that they're no better than the leper who needs to be cleansed, and if they will come to Jesus, He will touch them and cleanse them and forgive them and make them right with you. We pray you would accomplish your purposes through the preaching of this text here this morning. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The series of messages that uh, you have been hearing that I have been not, I have not been, uh, is called Foundations for a Church on Mission, walking through the book of Matthew. There are a lot of places we can go to from this text this morning, um, but I want to keep this under the umbrella of the title of the series. And we have communion, and I don't, it's a terrible thing to go into communion, um, if the preacher's been real long 
And, you know, now we got communion and our heads don't get right because we're concerned about time. Um, so we've got three miracles here, but I think, I don't know if we'll get to the centurion or not. Um, but there's there's some similarities about the, these three people. There's really four miracles. you got the, the, the leper, the centurion's servant, and Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says many others came that night. I don't know how much well i don't think we'll get beyond the leper but just to just to bring it together we have the healing here of a leper untouchable a gentile unwantable and a woman um unqualified for much of anything in this culture um and um Matthew lumps these three together. Matthew is unlike Luke and Mark in this. He he doesn't follow a real good chronology. He's not lying to us, but he he organizes things more thematically than chronologically. And these three miracles did not likely happen boom 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 one after the other. Um the first one, the leper, was probably after the first miraculous catch of fish um, that Jesus did for his disciples. The second one was probably after the Sermon on the Mount. And the third one was before the temptation in the wilderness. Matthew lumps them together. He's not trying to deceive us of the order of things. That's not his point. But he organizes these things together. And isn't it interesting that he organizes these three together? A leper, a Gentile, and a woman. He's telling us something. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for lepers, not just the clean and the lovely. Jesus is for Gentiles, not just Jews or people who are like you or who you like. And Jesus is for women, not just the socially acceptable or people of influence or people of importance. And those three messages are good for us now, aren't they? Are they ever? Why does he put these three together? It would be a great error, looking at this text, to conclude that these accounts of healing are just about physical healing. Matthew is not simply trying um, to tell us that Jesus is a healer of the sick. He is bringing us to see that Jesus is God. And he is bringing us to see that what Jesus can do physically, he for the sick, he can do spiritually for the soul. Jesus has authority. After the Sermon on the Mount, Dave, uh, David, where did I get that? Matthew tells us that the people were amazed because he taught with authority and not like the others. Um, he speaks with authority. And this record of Jesus' authority over sickness leads us to the end of Gospels, Matthew, which is the theme verse for this series that Pastor Seward has taken us through. Um, where Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And we see this through the book. He has authority in his teaching and in his preaching. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over nature. And he has authority over death and sin and hell. All authority has been given to me. Just read the book. Therefore, go. And do what? Go and heal lepers like I did. Except it's not what he says. 
Go and perform miracles like I did, except that's not what he said. I have all authority, therefore go and make disciples. This text is about how we should be making disciples. It is about who Jesus is. He has authority over disease and illness and uncleanness and Gentileness and unacceptability. He has authority over everything. You've seen me demonstrated, he says at the end of the book. Now go make disciples. You've got me with you. You don't need anything else. And this text is about Jesus having authority so that we can make disciples. We could read Matthew 8, 1 to 17 and merely conclude that Jesus is concerned about physical healing. And we would be missing the point. We would be missing the point big time. Jesus is concerned for our physical well-being. It's why he died. We're told that at the end of the text. We are going to a place and we will live forever where there's no more death or sickness or pain. It's going to end. But it's not all over yet. And the point of this story is not come to Jesus and, and have no more sickness and no more pain now. Where is the leper now? Where is the leper now? Well, he's probably in heaven, but he's dead. Where is the centurion's servant? Where is Peter's mother-in-law? Where are the multitudes who came to Jesus for healing? They're all dead. They got sick after Jesus healed them. They got injured. They were martyred. They got dementia. They got cancer. They got Parkinson's. They got a bunch of stuff. And they died. Is that all we can take from this story, from this account in the life of Jesus? He'll make you better for a little while and then you die anyway? That's not what this is about. Matthew wants us to take more from the account than this. That Jesus, you get sick and he can add a few more years to your life. And then die anyway. There is coming a day when there will be no more sickness or pain or death. And Jesus is the one who will accomplish it. And he will eradicate those great enemies because of his work on the cross. Because he has authority over everything. And there is coming a day when a vast multitude of people from every tribe and people and tongue and nation shall gather around the throne of Christ. Now when we read that text in the book of Revelation, we are often caught up with the numbers. John says, I saw... A vast multitude of people that no one could number. We say, wow, there will be a lot of people saved. And there will be a lot of people saved. But I think the emphasis is not on how many were there, but who they were. From every tongue, from every people, from every nation, from every place. All saying the same thing. All pointing to Him. Not focusing on their differences. You want me to stand next to this Jew? You want me to stand next to this Gentile? You want me to stand to this black guy? You want me to stand next to this Asian person? Yeah. And when we get to heaven, we won't mind. We will all sing the same song. Him. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's the message here. Lepers. Gentiles. Women. And the large crowd will be consumed with praise for our Savior and 
Maple Avenue Baptist Church is on a mission to demonstrate that to the world now. It is our mission. So we don't get into this account and get all wind up, wound up by the fact that Jesus can handle my problems. We go to this text and get all wound up with the fact that Jesus can handle the problem. And the problem is sin. And he saves people from every corner of the world and brings us to unity around the throne of Christ to sing his praise. And that's part of this message. And we start with the leper. We'll probably finish with the leper. But he's one of the unacceptable ones. A leper comes and begs Jesus to heal him. Interesting thing about leprosy. I'm not going to talk about the disease very much. But when you find Jesus dealing with lepers in the New Testament, it doesn't say he heals them. He heals the blind. He heals the deaf. He cleanses lepers. They're dirty. And this man wants to be cleansed. What he believed about Jesus, we don't know. He called him Lord, but that might have been just a way of saying sir. But he has seen or heard that Jesus can heal. So he gets himself to Jesus. What, how, what must that have looked like? Here comes a leper. You're not allowed to touch lepers. You're not allowed to go near lepers. Here comes a leper. The big crowd around Jesus. Here comes a leper. You just, it's, like, it's like the Red Sea, isn't it? That, that, that crowd just, just splits. Here comes a leper. He's got space. And he goes to Jesus and he says, If you will. And he goes to God, he goes to Jesus in acknowledgement of Jesus' sovereignty and wisdom. If, if, if you want to heal me, I will be healed. The assumption is here, our assumption be, that God knows best. And if he chooses not to heal, then that's better. But there's also an assumption from this man that Jesus is full of mercy and compassion. Heal me. If you want to, I know you will. And dear ones, just a little side point as we get into this. We don't need to be afraid to go to God and ask Him for stuff. We don't need to be afraid to God, go to God and ask Him to have our needs met. What do you want? Are you afraid to ask God for what you want? Do you think God knows what you want? Might it be the wrong thing? It might be. And so we go like this man and say, If you want... If you will. We're not like, oh, what's her name? What's the name? What's the name? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Okay, you want a Mercedes? Go ahead and ask for it. Who sang that? Janice Joplin, thank you. Um, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friend, all have Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And, and a lot of people think that's what God is there for. But God is better than that. He knows what's good for us. And so we go, not my will, but thine be done. Thy will on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what this man is doing. But do you have needs and do you have desires and do you feel comfortable to go to God and say, Lord, you know what I want. And if it's your will, grant it to me. Go with boldness before the throne of grace because you have a God who loves you and cares for you. Ask. He might say no. 
And when he does, he'll let you, he'll let you live with it and he will make you happy in it anyway. And the leper says, I can die in my leprosy, but if you will make me clean, then I will be clean. And Jesus says, I will. And he cleaned him up. Is this saying that Jesus is always willing to heal those who ask him? Of course not. Timothy, we're not aware that Timothy got healed. Take a little wine, Timothy. You got a bad stomach. Take something to settle your stomach. No, Paul, I'm not going to take away your thorn in the flesh. I think that's a physical uh, malady of some sort. But I'll give you grace to handle it. He doesn't always heal. But he did this man. I want you to be well. Because he's on a mission to show us who he is and that he has authority. But dear ones, get this. And never miss this one. There is one sickness that God is always willing to heal when asked. God will heal your sin-sick soul if you go to him through Jesus Christ. Go to Jesus Christ and say... If you are willing, you can make me whole. And Jesus will always say in response to the prayer for the removing of sin and all its damages. Well, not all its repercussions in your life. But He will remove your sin. He will remove the judgment that hangs over you. He will never say no to this request. He never refuses the request to make a soul well. This man knew he was sick. And he knew who to ask to make him well. Do you know you are sick? And do you know that sin has condemned you and hangs over you and God will judge you and God sent Jesus into the world to save people from their sins? And if you go to Him, He will save you. Your problem is you don't know you're sick. And that's just a tragedy. And if you think that sitting in this building is going to make you well, you're just missing the point. This man was in the presence of Jesus, but he had to go and say, make me well. The fact that he was surrounded by people who weren't sick didn't make him one bit better. Sitting in this room won't make you better either. You go to Christ and you ask him and he will save you. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, this is my father's will. That all who come to Him, all who come to Him, shall have eternal life. If you will, and Jesus says, I will, and we are cleansed. And then verse 3 says, And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him. And immediately His leprosy was cleansed. He reached out his hand and he touched him. To touch a leper was strictly forbidden in the law. Did Jesus break the law? Of course not. Jesus was perfect. Why was it forbidden to touch a leper? Primarily two things. To prevent a contagion from spreading and to prevent defilement, both ceremonial and biological, to prevent you from being defiled. Then why can Jesus reach out to touch this man? I'm glad you asked. If you or I 
reach out to touch what is defiled, we become defiled. I'm clean. I touch what's dirty. I was cleaning a wood stove yesterday. You touch that thing, you get dirty. You touch what is dirty, the dirt falls on you. When Jesus touches what is dirty, it's not dirty anymore. He's not breaking the law. When he touches that man, there's no leprosy. It's gone. We touch what's dirty, and we get defiled. That's why we're told, don't be conformed. Touch no one clean thing. Jesus came into the world. He's in the midst of all this defilement, untouched by it. And when he touches, it becomes clean. The touch of Jesus makes defilement go away. You will be clean. You will be forgiven when Jesus touches you. You will be accepted and loved and God shall never cast you out. You will be His and you shall be clean. Because that's what Jesus does. But there is a message here for those of us who know Christ as well. Jesus reached out and touched this leper. Maple Avenue Baptist Church. On mission from God. And our mission, I have all authority, Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples. Our mission, dear ones, is to touch lepers. I am on a list of a funeral home, New Ducks Funeral Home in Toronto on Kipling Avenue. They still call, um, even though I've moved away. And I'm one of those pastors who's on the list that if somebody, if some family has lost a loved one and they're completely unchurched and they want somebody to do a funeral, that I'm one of the guys who's on this list that they will call. They'll say, you want a Roman Catholic? You want a United Church guy? You want a Baptist? They've got somebody from every denomination and I'm one of the Baptist ones. And when they say, how about a Baptist? I get called. To do funerals for people who are completely untouched. I did one one time. Their father had been the organ pumper at a Baptist church when he was a child. And that's the only, well, who do you want to do the funerals? Get me a Baptist. Because dad was an organ pumper. He pumped the organ so the hymns could be sung. And so when you get the call, you know you're dealing with irreligious people. People who don't know the gospel, hardly know anything. They just want a decent send-off for their loved one. And so a few years ago, 2011, I think it was, I received a call to do the funeral for a woman named Linda Payette. And I would like to read for you what I wrote in the church blog after I did that funeral. She wrote a poem. The poem was read at the funeral. And while it was being read, I changed my message. And I just want to read what I wrote in the blog and then the poem that she wrote. Linda Payette was not well known. She was not famous. She was not rich or well accomplished as this pathetic culture of our count, a culture of ours counts accomplishments. But she had four children who loved her and who miss her and wished that they had known her better and that her life had not been so filled with the pain that filled it. She was a private person and I have little doubt that her privacy was born out of the pain of loneliness, stress, depression, and other things too scary to mention. The pain of longing for someone to care. I know this because a poem she wrote where she states those very things was read at the funeral. Linda deserves to be heard. 
She deserves to have some friends who share her anxieties and heartaches. She deserves to have someone read her poetry and say, that's really good stuff. I don't know if she had any of that. It does not appear that she thought she did. And even though it is too late to tell her now, I want others to at least know that she had a talent that was created by the hardships of life that is worth passing on to others. I am posting this because I want Linda to be heard more now than she ever was when she was living. I would like Christians to know that people who can write the same heartbreaking poetry that you find here are all around them. They are not obvious. They are hidden people. They are hidden behind apartment buildings that lock their entrances because there are more people who want to get in to hurt people than there are people who want to get in to help people. They are hidden behind smiles and polite responses that say, fine, thank you, because they really do not believe that anyone cares to know how they are anyway. They are hidden behind makeup and long sleeves, and hair brushed over faces to hide bruises. They are hidden behind alcohol and drugs and eating disorders. They are hidden behind fear and anger and resentment. They are hidden behind large salaries and expensive cars and lavish houses. They are hidden in the shadows of churches and drowned out sometimes by the singing of the faithful. I have given my life to the health and welfare of the church, and I do not regret it. It is a great privilege to work for that which Jesus loves and gave his life for. But the church is here to offer people like Linda Pyatt real friendship and care and two ears that listen. It is here to honor Jesus by loving people. It is here to offer great hope to those with none. Eternal joy to those with only passing glimpses of it. It is here to show that the love of Jesus surpasses everything and is for them It is here to say to Linda, this world needs to hear this. And so Linda wrote a poem. She didn't title it, but I call it The Ache, because that's the first two words of the poem. And she wrote this, The Ache, the awful, nauseatingly sick ache, so long between structures to have the memory of what it was like, searching for the precise moment, the precise people, so long you have to wait, the ache only worsens. You decide. It's the wrong choice. The ache worsens still. You feel you will go mad. You search in the structure you have craved for. So cumbersome it is, but a must to fulfill your need. You get this? She's building up structures to handle life and it's not working. You cry, scream. It was cold, dark. You are filled with frustration, wanting to feel the sun on you one more time, wanting to walk on the earth one more time, wanting most of all what has been denied, to be rid of the ache. The horrible ache deep within your mind. Still a child begging for help to grow. To be rid of the ache. The need to be released from the prison you were placed in so long ago. The need of the gentle touch and nurturing. And every, every infant must, the need of the gentle touch and nurturing that every infant must have to grow. It was denied. You need it. Every fiber in you knows it. Finally peacefully, content to know at least one human being, know how to give what others still don't know, the soft touch, the gentle caress, the encircling of arms, the comfort, the fortress, the strength, 
it is cold. So long between the structures. You are alive, but for a brief moment. Please, I beg of you, do not deny me. That's Linda Payette's legacy to this world. This is leprosy. Linda went through life with an unclean sign written over her head because she was. And people avoided her and abused her and used her. When I published that on the website, I said she had four children. She had five. And a lady responded. One of her other siblings must have told her. And she said, I was Linda's oldest. I never knew her. May you be comforted as you mourn her. May you be comforted. She didn't mourn her. She didn't know her. And I think one of the things that, one of the structures that Linda built up around herself was trying to please men by giving them what they wanted. And she ended up having five kids. And she became unclean. And people avoided her and abused her. And then she died. A complete stranger was called to bury her. This is who Jesus came to touch. And now Jesus is gone. Who will touch Linda Payette? (laughs) Who will do what Jesus commissioned to be done if we, his commissioned ones, do not? I'll tell you who. Social workers, psychologists, professional helpers with very large hearts will enter into the Linda Payette's lives of this world and they will try to give her some more money, try to help her emotionally and mentally and psychologically and they will never hear, they will never utter to the Linda Payettes of this world, Jesus Christ can save you. They will never say that. They don't believe it. They don't think it's what Linda needs. But it's what the Lindas need. And if we don't do it, if we surrender and say, well, they've got all kinds. we got social agencies that can help this woman. They can, they can feed her. They can clothe her. They can give her a place to live. But they will not give her Christ. They don't believe she needs Christ. Do not doubt, dear ones, that there are Linda Payettes in your neighborhood, on your street, at your workplace, in your school. I went to um, Gettysburg a couple of years ago. No, last year with a friend of mine. We stopped for lunch on the way. We, ordered, we went into a subway and, and we ordered a sandwich. And the girl reached out to hand me my sandwich. And down, from here down to her wrist was a series of cuts on her arm. She's a cutter. You see this all the time. You see this at your school, don't you? You see this in university. Lepers. They're everywhere. They're not in slums. They're here. I got an email from a friend of mine a week and a half ago. An old high school friend. And he said, just wanted to let you know that Rick Neal died. And he gave me the website for the obituary. And I found it. And I left a little comment for Rick. Rick had very few friends. He was different. He was weird. He was weird. He hated conformity. He would do things just because nobody else did. 
He was laughed at, ridiculed, he was avoided, and he was my friend. We were lab partners in chemistry in high school. I found him intriguing. He introduced me to music that was completely out of left field. I found him smart and interesting, and I was driven to him, and we became friends, and he was made fun of and ridiculed and not liked. And I read his old bit, leaving to mourn a mother, a brother, a niece, and a nephew. No wife, no children, all alone, all his life. You know some Rick Neals, don't you? Why has God put Rick Neal in your life? We will not surrender them up to the social agencies of our culture because they need Christ. We are to reach out and touch such people. We dare not isolate ourselves. We dare not insulate ourselves from these people. God has put them in my workplace, your workplace, our neighborhoods, our schools for a reason. The sovereign God who does whatsoever he pleases has put that person in the desk next to yours, next to yours, in that house on your street, in that workstation at your workplace for a reason to be touched by you. They will insult our sensitivities. They will speak rudely, crudely, and lewdly. It's what lepers do. And our mission is to reach out and touch them with love and compassion and most of all, a powerful gospel. Maybe there are Linda Pyatt's and Rick Neal's in here right now. Maybe there are lepers here this morning who know they're unclean. And for all their efforts, it seems they're uncleanable. And you are here this morning hiding behind social acceptability. Your joy is a facade. Your appearance of having it together is a lie. You hide behind a degree or an income or a social standing. But deep down you know that you are unclean. It doesn't have to be this way. Jesus is willing to touch you. He comes to you. He heals. He forgives. He will make you real. And he puts you in this room this morning for you to hear me say it. The sovereign God who does whatsoever he pleases put you where you are sitting this morning to hear this. You don't have to hide. And it was prayed. The pastor prayed it. That we be people who no longer have to hide. And we can come with all our uh, leprosy and say to Jesus, if you will, and he will, and then you can go to other Christian people and say, here's my leprosy. Here's where I hurt. Here's where I sin. I can't do this alone. Help me. It's what we're here for. Who are the lepers you find difficult to reach out to and touch? Who has God placed in your life that you find difficult to touch. You know. Jesus has authority over what makes them untouchable. And he says to us, I'm not here in the flesh anymore. You must touch them. The gay couple has just moved down the street. You must touch them. 
the sexually confused and broken. I was so worried a couple of years ago at Thistletown. Ron Crawford said that he wanted to come to our Christmas banquet. Ron wants to be Ronette. And so he's gone to the doctor and they're giving him all kinds of drugs. He's on, he has very little money, welfare, and he's wearing a horrible wig. Uh, and he's taking drugs and he's wearing a dress and he's carrying a purse. And he comes to the Christmas banquet. I said, oh boy, this guy is going to get hurt. And you know what? He didn't. He came into that banquet. (sighs) My wife's crying. And Carol Ann, the chairman of our missions board, gave him a big hug. So glad to see you. And he sat down at the table with us. And there's Heather and me and the treasurer of the church sitting at this table. And he is welcomed. And he still comes to Thistletown to, to get food for so he can survive. And to the best of my knowledge, he's not a Christian yet. We talked to him. I said, Ron, this is not the way to go. And it's the way he wants to go. And he's three years into this program and two more, and they'll change him into a woman. I said, Ron, it's all, this isn't the solution to your problem. But it was so good at the Christmas banquet to see this man getting hugs and say, we're glad you're here. He needs to be touched by Christ. There's a lady. (laughs) My time's gone. There's a lady at Thistletown who runs a licensed daycare at her home, out of her home. And she is willing to take people any time of day or night. You've got kids, I'll take them any time, day or night. And so she gets the children of women who work at night. And she comes to me and says, Pastor, am I sinning by taking the proceeds of prostitution for caring for these children? I said, Christine, tell them you're a Christian. Tell them you love them. Tell them they can do better. Tell them you're happy to help them with their kids, but that they can do better. I said, invite us over, and we'll come, and we'll have a barbecue, and invite these ladies, and we'll just have a good time together. Didn't happen in my time there. Maybe it'll happen. And she is using her daycare work as a ministry to give the gospel to these prostitutes because they're lepers, and they need to be touched. How many stories do we tell? I don't know. My tradition says, don't tell too many stories when you're preaching. I've told too many, I suppose. But earlier this week, here's another one. (laughs) I sat down with a young man, the son of a friend of mine, no longer alive, my friend, but his son is here. I won't tell you who he is. He's in counseling for sex addiction. He told me about the issues in his life and the issues in his girlfriend's life. And he called to talk to me and he started going to a very good church. I'm so glad for the church he's going to and he wants to know. He said, here's, after we talked all about his girl's troubles and all about his troubles, he says, here's why I want to talk to you. I feel an ache in my heart to find God. Where does that come from? So I told him. And he emailed me the next day and he says, I want to get together again and can I bring my girlfriend with me to talk some more about what this longing 
for spirituality is about. So they're going to come to the retreat center. I said, if you stay overnight, you've got to sleep in different bedrooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. This is our calling. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, folks. And he sends us into a world full of lepers and says, you want WWJD? What would Jesus do? There's a mission, finally, finally, I think. Finally. There's a mission in Toronto. It's around the world. Um, what's the guy's name? Nigel. I forget his last name. Nigel. Called Move In. The mission's called Move In. Do you know of Move In? Move In asks people to go into nasty neighborhoods, get an apartment there, live there, just live out the gospel there. That's all they do. And I said, they come to the mission, they come to the retreat center four or five times a year, and they bring kids uh, from horrible situations, and they spend a weekend. And and, uh, I said to the guy who comes from Move In, I said, love what you're doing, but it breaks my heart that Move In is considered to be innovative. Do you know how we're going to give the gospel to people? We're just going to move in where the sinners are. And we're going to help them, and we're going to talk to them, and we're going to do Bible studies with them right in their apartment building. And we think, wow, what a neat idea. It's as old as can be. It's what we're called to do. So he touches the leper. He gives a word to the centurion's son. Doesn't even, doesn't even touch the centurion's son. And isn't that our calling? What are we going to say to these people? Give them the word of God. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Give them the word of God. And I love Mark's comment about Peter's mother-in-law. Is it Mark or Luke? I think it's Mark. It says, Matthew just says, and she got up. Mark says, and he lifted her up. Touch a woman. Go into her bedroom, lean over, and get her up out of bed. Talk about breaking the social norms. The church is on a mission from Christ. And the Gospel of Matthew is about that. And Matthew goes to great lengths to show us the authority of Christ and tell us what Jesus said. Since I have all authority in heaven and earth, go make disciples. And Jesus used his authority over sickness and disease to reach and touch lepers, to speak to Gentiles, to lift up women, outcasts, all of them in some fashion. And it is our calling, dear ones. It's our calling. God has surrounded us with lepers, Gentiles, and women. The unclean, the unacceptable, and the unqualified. And the reason he has done that is so that we would touch them Give them the word of God and come alongside of them and lift them up. What a calling. What a provision. And what a God. And may God give us the grace. And if you are one of the lepers, one of the Gentiles, one of the women, He will receive you. He will save you. He will make you whole. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this text. Help us to see that we are saved because you touch lepers. And help us to see that we are 
just one healed leper who finds another and tells him where to find real healing, real cleansing. So, Father, we thank you for where you have put us. We thank you for making us a part of this church. We thank you for the street we live on, the place we work, the school we study in. We thank you for the places we will end up this week. Help us to remember that every person who enters our life this week is there by your design, for your purposes, and for us to be a part, in some small way, of fulfilling the commission, because you have all authority. Hear our prayer. Bless us. And Father, would you please open up the minds and hearts of someone here who spiritually is a leper, who needs a word from you and to be lifted by you. Save, we pray, because you are good and merciful. We ask these things in your Son's name.